This is the one where Lady Liberty goes for a sneaky stroll. You can check in any time you like, but you can never leave. And the Big Apple becomes the City of Angels. It's called The Angels Take Manhattan. Here we go! We're still on our epic race. All through time and all through space. We're slipping and angels now. Dalek, Cyber, Zood and wow! Counting Sonic's rating out. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whittaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Hello there, podcast land, and welcome to episode N093 of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Well said, well put. Who could add anything more? Fine, you can have this one. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. 73 and I'm out. <laughs> Finally. The curse is broken. You are listening to three individuals in the Who Back When studios today. I am Leon, with me are... Marie! Hello, Marie! Hey. And next to Marie is... Drew McWen! Or Doc Pass. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean Boo Drackwen. <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be talking about The Angels Take Manhattan today. The very last of the Pond episodes. Ish. 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 Well, there are flashbacks. I mean, Amy shows up later on, right? Like when Matt Smith disappears, he has a flashback of... He has, like, dream Amy revisit him. Okay. I think that's... uh, Yeah. No no one's ever really gone. No one's ever really gone. (laughs) (laughs) I watched that as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, death isn't a real thing, guys. Absolutely not. Just keep watching your media. (laughs) Marie? (laughs) Oh, I don't really know what you're talking about. (laughs) Marie? Jim would be horrified. Oh, oh, sorry. Is this a Star Wars? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I only got it because so I said Jim. I did. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about Star Wars. No, 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 no. <laughs> Before we jump into B Scout, like it, not like it. The trailer. This oh, <laughs> Star <right>. Wars. <laughs> Focus Marie. I'm excited, but I mean yeah. the best thing about this episode is when Senator Palpatine laughs at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Was it Palpatine? It must be Palpatine. That's what we thought. Ian McDiarmid is on the cast list. Oh. Yeah. Uh right. Let's just jump into Beast Cow. <laughs> <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. The angels are getting into the hotel business and have gotten their stony digits on a prime piece of real estate where they time loop unsuspecting passers-by, gumshoes and doctoral companions to satisfy their sinister hunger. Cut to a lovely picnic in Central Park, where Amy, now a bespectacled crone, must live with the irony of her husband's constantly youthful face, despite him being constantly slapped by his spouse, only leading to further pummeling. Meanwhile, the 1,200-year-old baby-faced god has a problem with his companions entering their 30s because there's a little bit of 10 left in him, and once a woman enters her fourth decade, she's dead to him. Then Rory goes to get coffee by way of 1938, and River Song has a time bracelet. Bisco over, you are welcome. Aren't you just? I can't do the New York accent. Who can do the New York accent? The 1938 New York accent? I've already forgotten what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I've really wanted to do it. Oh. I think it primarily sounds like an English person trying to do an American accent. I thought it sounded quite a lot like Matt LeBlanc. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> do you want to soundbite some of it? I'll, I'll pop a Matt LeBlanc soundbite in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> I'm cold. 
Great acting, Arthur Darville. <laughs> Anything in particular you guys would like to start with? I'd like to start off by saying it bears very little resemblance to its prequel, The Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> Barely any resemblance at all. I have not seen that. I prefer the original. <laughs> I have also not seen it, and I think I also prefer the original. Oh, Marie, sight unseen. This was better than I remembered. Hey! Yeah. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I remembered it being utter garbage. And it wasn't. It was just partial garbage. (laughs) So there's statues everywhere, buddy. New York. (laughs) There it is! The city of a billion stories. Half of them are made up, and half of them are complete bullshit. (laughs) Do you know what? You sound like Matt LeBlanc's agent in Friends. Joey, hello! <laughs> it's me, Estelle! <laughs> do you know who can do a better version of that than me? No. Abby. Oh! Christmas, just a minute three, we're doing this. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, angels are a little different in this one than they've been before. Yes. So before, have we not had their sort of mechanism being they suck off your potential... They, time energy they, they what now <laughs> well, okay yeah if, if you could if you think of the big bang as the base point and the rest of time is just a steady ascent because that's potential energy in physics isn't it if you are at the top of a building as in fact rory is in this episode he has a lot of potential energy yeah and he yes. will lose that by plummeting to the ground and that's what the angels are gaining from him in chucking him back in time yeah exactly down the temporal gradient or whatever. And uh, so that hasn't been the case before at all, has it? Yeah, that's always, that's been, always the been the case. Okay, so what's new then? Okay, oh. A, they're not all angels anymore. They're now like any statue can mm. be a weeping angel. I'm pretty sure at the end of Blink, they just showed a whole bunch of statues being like any of these could be an angel. Are they not all? They did. No, because I think they also showed the Statue of Liberty. Cause I remember oh, did they? Being really annoyed by it. <laughs> I think. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah. He's had this in mind all along. Yeah, I think so. That just makes me dislike this episode more. (laughs) Any statue can now be a weeping angel. No longer limited to stone. We have a gigantic metal weeping angel. Yeah, and apparently... Nobody is looking at that. No one's looking at it. Nobody. No. No. The most photographed statue in the world. (laughs) Clomp, clomp, clomp. (laughs) I mean, this is perhaps the most obvious universal point we will ever make on who back when. Because occasionally we we come up with an original insight and it's like, ah, maybe no one has thought of that before. But this has been most people's problem with this episode since the second it was aired, shortly. I was. Gonna, I thought you were going to say since the second Ghostbusters movie because at some <laughs> point I really wanted them to just pan up and have Egon Spengler up there going, "Get me out of here!" <laughs> yeah. So gigantic lady clomp clomp is like, oh, no one's looking at the Statue of Liberty and she just clomps clomps onto Manhattan. And never mind, like, where where is this gigantic angel standing? Like, buildings must have been destroyed. She's standing on cars and shits. And but then. Someone looks at her and she's just standing still. So that means that someone is looking at her yeah. and going, oh, I bet that's always been there. This <laughs> is really cool art installation. Yeah. That winter key kooky architecture. Man, it gets crazier every year. No, that's the clue that is in the name, winter key. It's right on the edge of the East River or whatever. I mean, the, the Statue of Liberty is standing in the water and just looming menacingly over the adjacent building. Okay, fine, but we still hear clomp clomps. Yes, and nobody turns to look. 
Clearly. No. Because otherwise she would freeze. Yeah, but th- I mean, then she, she set does... off like a week ago. She's just making micro <laughs> At some point, everybody's blinking. That's the thing. I mean, if she's moving from <laughs> Ireland <laughs> to Manhattan <laughs> in micro steps, you're not going to notice when she's on the shore. No, absolutely not. No, but it's not just that. I mean, there, there is a point when Amy and Rory are on the ledge. Yeah. And they're and looking they're, at each other. Yeah. They're not looking at her. That means no one else is looking someone at her. Someone else is yeah. going. And, and that is not a short moment either, because I was like, oh, look, they happen to glance away for an instant. I'll bring this up and look really clever. No, wait, they're still not looking. This is just bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And angels are meant to be crazy fast. Yeah. Yeah. You, you yes. don't get normal sized angels going tippity tappity tippity tap, do you? you? They're just there. I hated the sound effects with the little children. Angels. Oh, did you? Oh, I thought yeah. they were really no, creepy. No, no. They were really. They're awful. children. They're creepy. But, and, and then they didn't match because they were running really fast. And then when he looked <laughs> at them again, they'd only move like a foot forward. Like they would. If you, if you were running that fast, they would have got to him already. And they've yeah. only got like tiny little legs. Tiny little pudgy putty <laughs> legs. Uh, do you know what I didn't like? The When it's frozen, as in the cherub that's... Re- cherub? Well, let's call it cherub. The, the, the teeny tiny thing is frozen next to Arthur Darville. And it blows. Exactly. It should not be... Yeah, it, it blows. Blow. No, it should be petrified at that yes. point. Oh, but that is a great second of telly, isn't it? It is. No, it's, it, it is really good. It's it it flies in the face of everything up to that point. But it's a nice moment. <laughs> the thing that annoys me about that sound effect is it's the exact same skittery children laughter from Night Terrors. It is, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Which was the, uh, I can't remember the specific name of the creepy dolls Doll. Gatiss had in his childhood home that traumatized him so badly. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, use a slightly different sound effect, guys. Oh. Come on. Oh, You're whatever. already muddying the water enough. Don't get it mixed up with an entirely different species of foe. And it was the same sound effect used twice. It was used in Central Park when he first got taken, and then it was used again in a totally different location in 1938. But the statues don't follow you back in time. They still, they're still there. Wait, wait, wait which sound effect was? The oh, creepy the... children. Because it was the children on the fountain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are they, are they, like stinkable. are they always going to be children though? They're always going to be baby statues. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, do, do they grow up? Do they grow up? Or are they... Are, yeah, oh, so are they the children who will eventually turn into... Because there is an older child as well, and they're like mother and son oh. statue outside. So why house. do they look like cherubs, but then uh, are the weeping angels look like regular statues? I mean, there's a, there's a lady wearing a dress with her son wearing regular human clothes. Yeah. No wings or anything like that. Well, it's the whole secularization you know, of, of early 20th century New York society, isn't it? I mean, you've got to blend in. So do angels, like, <laughs> when they're not in their statue form, they uh-huh. still look like the angels, do they? Because we've seen them move in previous episodes. They don't, like, turn into a different creature. Because you can imagine them, like, trying to blend in and just, like, picking a form. But but we've seen, we saw them moving when Amy was um, pretending she could see, but she was really blind through the forest and they were oh, like yeah, slowly yeah. slowly creeping after her and they still look like angels yeah, yeah. with the grinding sound effect yeah which was, yeah which because was the last time at which we said you've really overreached with the angels here stop adding stuff to the angels because uh, yeah last time we heard them move they were so slow it was like stone and now they're just running around like children like there's no consistency no that's true we also had previously which we also criticized the last time we met them the image of an angel is also an angel and you can have an angel in your eye like whatever she's got some whatever it is yeah it's in inside her eyeball there were two misconceptions on my part 
One was that in the very beginning when Doc goes, shit, you're old. And he says, do you have something? Do you have lines in your eyes? I thought one of the two theories was, oh, is there an angel in your eye? And we're later on going to call back to this. And he should have known all along, yada, yada, yada. No, that was just a dig at her getting old. Yeah, it was. Even though she doesn't look any older than the first series. Yeah, no, not at all. (laughs) Oh, she's wearing glasses. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Big whoop. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, they just put a little less makeup on for that particular scene, woke her up early in the morning. That was it. (laughs) If it was jet lag, they (laughs) they got there, got to the airport, filmed that scene straight away. Karen Gillan, Drew is saying that you look crap. (laughs) (laughs) You look tired is what we're saying. (laughs) Doesn't she look tired? Oh. High five, JD. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your second beef? Oh, the second thing was the theory that I presented to you guys a few episodes ago or a few reviews ago. Yeah. Because I thought that she would contract that disease that turns you into stone. Yeah. Petri... Filicus. Petri something regression. Petri... Petri... Petri fold regression? I think so. That's what we're calling it. Bingo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not going to future. But that, that was just you <laughs> misremembering this episode entirely. Oh, totally not. <laughs> yeah. And I said the worst thing that can happen is it's audiobook too, but no, the worst thing that can happen is he just remembered another idea that we can't use. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought maybe that's that was another thing in her eyes that, you mm. know, slowly but surely there's, there are symptoms of mm. this disease. Yeah, but no, that's just extreme old age. Yeah. 30-whatever. My biggest bugbear with the angels is always the same, like... In the first episode, we defeated the angels because we got them to look at each other. And if any living creature looks at you, you're stone. And therefore, there were these four angels all around the TARDIS. And when the TARDIS disappeared, they yeah. were permanently set in stone. Perfect, by the way. Which was such a gorgeous ending. Yeah. And now it's just, oh, there's angels everywhere. They're running down the corridor. They're all facing each other. Yeah, if they're in the they're same are, corridor, like, are they not noticing each other? Yeah. There are <laughs> pairs of angels, like the mother and the son angel. Like, they're, all, they're always seeing each other. And they've just completely rewritten yeah. that rule. And that's yeah, really but you sad. Got, you got flickering lights. They can do anything. That was the problem with the original Blink. As soon as the you know light bulb went, they were free to roam free again. But there's a definite scene in the corridor where there's one either end because he's trapped in, oh, in the uh, cold open. He's trapped yeah, in the middle yeah. and they can clearly both see each other and they're still moving towards it. And they're very short-sighted. Are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They can see exactly half the length of the corridor. <laughs> I thought the concept, their ploy with the hotel, though, it's really clever. I really like that. Like, just this battery farm of, of humans stuck in this hotel. And I like that whenever you saw it from the outside, there was just really, really old people looking out of the window. And you look the first time you see it, you're like, oh, that's a bit of a sad hotel. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Oh, I've stayed in worse. <laughs> <laughs> Why does Rory go in there? Yeah. I, mm. When there's a great big weeping angel standing quite prominently <laughs> by the entrance with its fangs bared. Again, Fang's bed, he doesn't notice, no. i.e. he's not looking at it, yeah. i.e. someone else is, i.e. someone else should be going, that was not there before. Yeah. That is a yeah. monster. Why did someone make a statue of a monster? <laughs> yeah. Hey, guy, maybe go in some other building or something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll not even attempt that accent. <laughs> Yours is perfect. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, as far as revamping or you know adding to angel lore goes that was a good move i thought what the, the hotel. hotel yeah yeah because yeah, it's it is quite clever it's like if you're gonna send them back in time you that you only get one 
use out of them where if you can control them you just get to keep lubing them keep well because that's that's how i sort of thought of it is because doc said oh he's going to send you back 30 or 40 years and then you'll live out in this room and die but, but that's, that's just one life. That's still just one life. And then you've trapped them for no reason. So wouldn't it be cleverer to like, I'm just going to send you back a couple of weeks and then I'm going to come back in again and send you back another week and just do, just constantly be you're reliving the same like short period of time over and over. And then they get like little bursts of it. Wait, so that's not what they're doing? I don't know what well, Doc said. Oh, they've sent you back 40 years. Yeah. Like in one hit. But then there'd been no point to keep them in the room. It- it's also, I mean, it's, it's a modern house, yeah. so it's not like they can keep sending people back 40 years at a time. No, exactly. Because like you send them back once, and yeah. then send them back again, and there's no house. Uh, <laughs> there's actually, no hotel room yeah, for them. And it, does, and it doesn't make any sense, because you still only have the length of one human lifespan. So you send them back in time, and the energy you gain is that potential, that, like the life that they would have lived do you get the full life potential even if you just send them back a day or something? No. You don't you get, get a, day. a day potential. Yeah, exactly. Well, in that case, it, this makes no sense. So, I yeah. take it back. This is a rubbish plan. So you either what is get, the point? Yeah, you either get one hit, you get everything now, or you just get dribs and drabs over time. But it's not any... They're not going to live any longer. If you make sure that they waste their life entirely, does that give you more energy as in can, are they sated to a greater degree if they also purposely keep them locked in a room and don't allow them to live a, a replacement life yeah completely unfulfilled exactly oh. so maybe that is it so it's it's basically a sell for them because every day that they spend not going out into society and being you know okay this brings happy, up this that we are talking about the net gains to be made from this plan yeah who is keeping them alive for 30 or 40 years? Yeah, where is who feeds them? them. Yeah, yeah, where is the minibar? Where, where are the staff? Yeah. I guess every now and then an angel just comes in. <laughs> Housekeeping! <laughs> <laughs> click, 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 click. Knocks on the door. <laughs> More like, housekeeping! <laughs> Changes their sheets, puts a mint on the pillow. <laughs> Sends them back another 10 years. <laughs> Maybe they hire maids and they keep sending them back and they don't realise. We should. It would have been good to see maids. Oh, you know what? Now yeah. I don't like this plan no, anymore. This it is not make any sense. It, on the surface, it seems so clever. Yeah. Oh, it's not clever at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Superficially, it works. There's a lot more goes into running a hotel than just filling rooms with old people. This seems like a metaphor for a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> What if at some point there's a plumbing incident in this hotel? Oh, no. (laughs) Geriatric Rory. (laughs) He's a walking plumbing incident. (laughs) Actually, no, he's he's a moribund, prone plumbing incident. I mean, he's not going anywhere. He's been pissing the bed for a decade. (laughs) I mean, they they should have smelt him before they saw him. (laughs) So yeah, I reckon they would only send it back in time once because then you only need one hotel room. Potentially, if you're sending the same one back in over five-year periods eight times, you've got eight of them in parallel. You're going to need a much bigger mm. hotel. Is it a coincidence that geriatric Rory dies when young Rory arrives? Yeah, because the angels are just that fiendish. So, so no, it's not a coincidence? Yeah, it's not coincidence. I, I don't How do so. they know when he's going to die? They know exactly how much energy he's got. Somehow, in in the zapping, they they <laughs> the zapping. Yeah, 
Angels 3, the zapping. <laughs> <laughs> this is zapping. They, 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 I don't know. They must, they must feel him up mid zap. Hey, And be like, yeah, he's got this much. And, uh, Hands to yourself, Angel. I can't do the, the, the voice. <laughs> Is that supposed to be Jim doing Rory? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't actually retcon a bullshit explanation. But the gumshoe does not die when his younger self arrives. Right? No, no, no. And Not there's no need for those two things to coincide. Those, those he was just so excited to see Amy again after all those years that he got he probably had a heart. One last Yeah, okay. <laughs> Poor love. <laughs> but he just it just did die very peacefully. It wasn't like he was in trouble. Really, really he died very peacefully. I, I remember hearing Amy. <laughs> Yeah, he does not. Also, just dying knowing that your younger self will only perpetuate this cycle. That's terrible. That is terrible. There's no way of escape. But he doesn't know Amy and the power of their love. Oh, that's true. How bad is the doc at telling people's ages, by the way? Because Rory, I mean, his gravestone says he's 82. Clearly, the Rory in the bed is actually like 130. <laughs> and the doc says, you'll live another 30, 40 years and turn into that. Yeah. I know, I did think that was a bit harsh. <laughs> yeah. Turn into Grandpa Joe's own granddad. <laughs> so what, is Rory supposed to be 50 now? He's, he's, he's not Paul Rudd. He's not eternally youthful. Shall we talk a river? Someone should. <laughs> The Melody Malone. Mm. Oh, the character. second I heard she was called Melody, my heart just sang. Oh. <laughs> I was like, "How can you three be this thick?" No, yeah, that's. What does no one go? Oh, that's my daughter's name. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's actually very unusual, <laughs> extremely rare. Mm. And have you seen the cover? It looks a little bit like River does. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Does Doc know? Because they want to see the cover and he doesn't want to... He, he won't let them see that cover. I don't think he... It, seems, it sounds like he's putting it together as he goes along, isn't he? Or... I think he's pretty clueless. Yeah. Actually, I think so too. Yeah. I did like... like it's very stupid that none of them work out what's going on. But I did like that as an idea. Like, they're reading, but they can't read ahead. And, like, you're following clues in the book. And, oh, like, okay. No? Yeah, well, I, uh, that's one thing that I don't know if I agree with. Mm. As in, as a concept within Doctor Who. Yeah. The whole spoilers thing. If the future is spoiled for you, then it becomes a fixed point. Yeah. Since when? <laughs> I, I liked it. I think that should have been how we were operating since day one. Yeah. But we haven't been. No, I know, I know. But must you really be hoisted on your predecessor's petards? <laughs> Combined or your, petards? Or your own? This is a moth one, right? Yes. Yeah, this is a moth one. <laughs> so this is, this is changing the rules. I agree. I, I like that as a concept. And it works very well within this episode. But we've never done that before. In fact, we, now I can't think of a single example. But I, I mean, <laughs> no, we I, haven't even done it with Rory in Cold Blood, where he's waving across the valley. Yes. And yes. at so, the beginning of the two-parter, he's there with Amy, and at the end, he's not. There yeah. you go. There you go. That's and okay, true. cracks in time make it slightly different, etc., etc. But there's still a difference. Absolutely. And if if that were the case, River has her diary. And she knows where things are going. I mean, mm. she doesn't live constrained to a linear timeline. So she knows exactly what's happening in the future because she's already experienced it in her past. Does that mean that everything must unfold in a certain way because she has at some point experienced it? Oh, I sort of think it does. 
Okay, how about this? River wrote the Melody Malone novel. Yeah. So at least in her mind, it it will have passed in a certain way. So if you look at the whatever, if you look, they look at the table of contents. Yeah. That clearly shows that it will have happened yeah. in a certain sequence. But I think the point is that at the time that he's reading the book, it can still be rewritten. So she's experiencing it with him. Therefore, she hasn't written it yet. But once they read it, it will have been written and therefore it will have happened how it's written in the future. Yes, you need that reasoning to make the 50th make sense. Yeah. I am fairly so certain of it. So, so you, can, you can change anyone's future but your own. You can change your own future if you get married. Not if you know about it. That's yeah, my point. you can. <laughs> Marriage solves everything. <laughs> it seems as though if you know about your own future, and as in a potential future of yeah. your own, and you know about the potential future of another person, you are only able to change that other person's future because if you know about your own future, then that becomes a fixed point but in that, time. But that's that's really twisted logic because exactly. surely knowing your own future, you're in the best position to change it. Exactly. So you know, I'm going to die today because I'm going to get hit by a bus. You don't leave your house that day. Like, you make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, and it well, seems yeah, as but- though, yeah, exactly. But the second you, you find out that you will have been hit by a bus, then you can't do anything about it. You must get hit by a bus. That makes no sense. I don't know. This has to be a Twilight Zone slash Outer Limits episode where you do stay in bed all day being like, I'm not going to get hit by that bus. And then there's a terrible fire because they're renovating and your And a tornado building. and a bus falls on um, your yeah. house. <laughs> yeah. but, well, you have, to, you have to go outside because the fire alarm's gone off and just then the, the fire engine careers down the street trying to put out the fire as quickly as possible and there's a bus driver coming the other way he's like ah fire engine drive straight into you yeah. there was an example in this <laughs> okay there was an example <laughs> in this episode where amy reads from the book that doc broke something mm. they then traveled to the house of kingpin what's his name and mr grail as they land they break the vase Oh and, yeah, and I assumed mm. uh, that's that's the thing that he broke. No, no, because no, it wasn't. It wasn't just breaking anything. Because when he read that, I um, oh Amy read it. I thought, oh, he's going to grab her glasses and snap them in half because he has to oh, break yeah. something. He has to break something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of, yeah. of hers, because the line oh. is, "Why do you have to break mine?" So it has to be belong. Like she said, so it has to belong to a woman. And at that point, we didn't know it was River. But the way that it it worked in it didn't feel forced at all the whole thing played out and then she said the line and then you recognized it and went oh okay this is where it's ah. like it was a sort of a natural thing i didn't catch that detail yeah. that's a nice detail so you couldn't it? just break a random object it sort of had to play out because she had to say that line for him then to break them gotcha hmm. okay yeah okay i'm buying it conceptually i'm on board guys I, i'm not d- i do, i i think the fact that it's written down is different it's not just knowing your future because i'm sure he says as well reading your that it's been written in a certain way is different because someone from the future has written it as if it's a historic event do we not genuinely i'm sure that we have on this podcast and i don't remember which episode but i'm sure that on this podcast we have made a reference to back to the future with photos or text changing because someone has altered the timeline why can't the words in this book change maybe i mean Everything gets collated the further forward you go in the future, right? The databases get ever more comprehensive. So I suppose you could say that it would just create too many paradoxes. The future would disintegrate Mm. and there would be knock-on 
or knock back effects through time and it would create a paradox too terrible for the universe to to cohere okay how about this We've been to the library in the future, the pl- library planet that houses every single book that's ever been published ever, ever in yeah. space and time. Even all three Lion Lounge volumes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Plug. <laughs> <laughs> and this Melody Malone book. Right. It must be there. Yeah. So depending on what they do in this episode, the Melody Malone book in the future on that library planet will take a different amount of shelf space and consequently possibly be in a different part of the library because this probably applies to everything, every historical document, right? Because that's how they um, store books is by size in most libraries. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if it's next to another volume somewhere, unless it's print on demand, maybe we already had this conversation. <laughs> but like, if, if it's on a shelf somewhere, then it is taking up physical space. Mm. Yeah, And if, if that's the case, it will take a different amount of space. Even if it's just digital space, it will take a different amount of digital space on a hard drive, and it will take people in the future a different amount of time to find a different type of title somewhere different on the planet. Okay, I was hoping for a slightly bigger effect than that. But <laughs> if you multiply that by a trillion, that's what I was going for. <laughs> Just can't find that goddamn book. It's too small. <laughs> but my point is, they have already been in the library and they have picked out a book. Yeah. So... Does that mean that, for I mean, just to take one teeny tiny tangible example, does that mean that when they went to the what's it called, the Forest of the Dead, whatever? It's, yeah, the, that. Actually, the book, the the dusty tome that Tennant takes off the shelf and starts flipping through, that it's a completely different book now? Hey, 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 I've got a Doctor Who example. Okay. What is the werewolf episode? Tooth and Claw? Yes. Where they're holed up in the library of that old house. Yeah. And Tennant just magically pulls the exact book off the shelf you know that what, he the, needs. I'm oh, sorry, that's the book flip-flopping scene that I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. Because he doesn't do it in Forest did, of the Dead, I, I think. I did wonder yeah, what no, his no, obsession no, with that this is, book. That is actually, that is the scene, uh, yeah. Yeah, so exactly. And it's no longer that book, it's a different book! Yeah, <laughs> so they're fucked and he's dead. <laughs> only, only, if, only if that library has this random, like, trashy... Like, <laughs> Malone, fiction, yeah, yeah, detective novel from the thirties. <laughs> okay, fine. So it is that book. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I'm sure that we did decide that on that planet it was all print on demand. Okay, or Kindles. Yeah, wall to wall Kindles. A planet of Kindles. <laughs> you know that actually the stupidest line to do with this book for me is Rory saying to the Doctor, "Only you could fancy someone in a book." Oh, yes, oh, you're right. How? Why? Yeah. Rory's never read a book, is why. Well, apparently, but he's supposed to be the paragon of rationalism at this point. Mm. Oh, there are no pictures in it. <laughs> 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 I did. I was very, very pleased, though, when River came and we realised it was... Riv- or he said Melody and we were like, oh, Trevor, because for a while I thought Amy might be the central character in the book and he was going to fancy Amy. I was like, oh no, don't do that. But it was okay. Yeah, not now they're old. No, exactly. Oh. <laughs> don't want to think about their wrinkly bodies mashing together. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, yum. Like unravelling <laughs> mummies. Mean, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's very double standards with the age thing because River's quite clearly like in an older body than they are and he still fancies river that's true yeah. yeah yeah i did like all the preening he did i gotta say oh no that was quite <laughs> <cute>. yeah yeah 
That was very nice. I took a screenshot of the thing that he uses as a mirror. The Rolls-Royce thing. Oh, yeah. Yes. I wondered if Here we go, yeah. going to come up. Rolls-Royce Mo- Motors, Crew, England. and Why? Interesting. I don't know. I mean, does it refer back to some classic serial where the TARDIS needed rebuilding slightly? Very possibly. We haven't gotten to it yet, if that's the case. But I did start looking into this online, and there didn't seem to be anything. I think every now and again, Moffat being the, let's face it, bellend that he is, <laughs> at least to some Magnificent bellend. Yes, he is a, yes. he is, he is a <laughs> radiant bellend. Oh. He, he will drop something, and I think he's done this in Sherlock as well, where he drops a clue. He drops, you know, a whole series of clues, and most of the time they mean something, but sometimes they are just meaningless dead ends, and people tear their hair out trying to figure out what's going on, yeah. and I think this is one of them. Or possibly it's an attempt at creating future lore. Like, maybe 10 years down the line or 15 years down the line, whoever's running the show at that point will do a callback to this one thing. Yeah, yeah, he's put a 15-year pin in that. Yes, exactly. I'll tell you what, we should we should just call JD. If JD doesn't know what this means, then it must be a future pin or <laughs> just leading us a merry dance. Oh, also, why were Amy and Rory then... Well, I talked about mashing their wrinkly bodies together. Why are they suddenly just snogging next to Doc? Yeah, that's and, uh, <laughs> and when he heads off, the Doc goes, Oh, can I have a go? And I thought that he meant, <laughs> can I have a snog? <laughs> I give her, take her for a spin. Yeah. I'm starting to see a bit more of the family resemblance. Now you're haggard and aged. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay, so are we, are we still talking about River? Well, hang on. Can I just say one more thing about the book? Okay, what, just one last thing about the book before we move on. There's a shot of Amy. This might be when she's reading about the, uh, he broke something or whatever. Why did you have to break mine? Mm. Uh, she's about two thirds into the book. And she says, on page 43, how short is this book? <laughs> it's a novella. It doesn't look like it's 50, 60 pages long. I mean, it's... She's not two thirds in. She's like a third in, isn't she? She's quite near the beginning. They haven't even got to Manhattan at that point. Exactly. It's not that far in. Fine. Oh. <laughs> Screenshot. It did, the, the, thing, <laughs> the thing that stressed me out about the book was, oh, let's uh, check the contents page. There won't be any spoilers oh, there. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ch- chapter 11 should have been, okay, you've had your clue, and chapter 12 should have been, stop looking, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then just because River knows that he has to do whatever he reads, she can put something just really mean in there. Yeah, call chapter 12, (laughs) spoilers. (laughs) Chapter 13, more spoilers. My least favourite lines, there were two tying for, um, the one is when they take Rory and and and, uh, Amy says, I won't let them take him, that's what we've got. And she does it in this like, she throws a hip out and she's really like, Putting all that attitude into very it. Marvel, and it's yeah, it, it yeah, and it's just ooh, it sent shivers down my spine okay. in a bad way. I didn't like that at all. Okay. And then, and I, re- I literally wrote that down, and I wrote worst line ever. And then immediately after that, <laughs> she then said, "Change in the future. It's called marriage." And then, and I had to admit that I was wrong. This is this is, <laughs> this not is the worst, the worst one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that line makes no sense whatsoever. No. Now, changing the future is literally everything you do if you don't read about it in a book beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, I'm married, but 
I'm not defending that line. <laughs> no. Yeah, because, no, going back to the the first line, when all they've got is that I won't let him take them take him, Doc says they need, like, an like exponential amount of energy and uh, something huge to make this big difference and it's almost impossible. And Amy's just like, do we'll just run really fast. We'll just run past them all. That's her plan. Uh, you say that, but Amy has, by the power of her own memory, willed the Doctor back into existence in this universe. You no, know, all right, that, I'll give her that. <laughs> <laughs> But that then just that can then be used to explain everything away. Yes, she has practically godlike powers. Magic. No, 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 she doesn't really. That that was terrible back then, and it would be even worse now. But <laughs> just sprung to mind like the doctor. <laughs> what do we think of the the rooftop scene then? I assume that Rory asking her to kill him is his final act of vengeance for a lifetime of abuse. <laughs> It made me really sad that he asked to tell me I'm wrong and she can't. And it's like, oh, the one time. And it's just like, every other day of your life, Rory, you've been told. That's why he then goes, you're going to have to do this. Yeah. Go ahead. Traumatize yourself for life. (laughs) Poor, poor man. Yeah. I don't know. I I thought as mistreated as Rory has been, that... That just stalled all the momentum of the scene for me. It's like, Rory, you bitch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah a little bit. <laughs> all that being said, I thought it was a rather touching moment. I mean, the, the two of them actually falling from the building is, is rather touching. Yeah. It's a bit fucking much, wasn't it? Soundbite. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a bit much. and it was, Yeah, when he started climbing up, I was a bit like, oh. Jesus, are they going to do this? Is he going to jump off a building? That's a bit dark for Doctor Who. Like, I know he, I know he dies, and he did make the line about, you know, I'm going to come back. I'm Rory. Um, which did- you have come back already once this episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, um, which did make me laugh, and that that was for me took all the energy out of it because it was a very dramatic moment, and then I was laughing at him. <laughs> I was like, oh, shouldn't be. Anyway, um, but yeah, it, it did feel quite dark. Um, but I was glad that she didn't push him. I'm glad that she got up there with him. That was that saved it, I think. I just don't feel like it was necessary. But I found it very touching. I yeah. It was, but it was a very contrived path to Absolutely, get to yeah. it. It would have been more cliched, but possibly also more effective if his final words there had just been, listen, I love you, don't worry about it, this won't have happened, and then he and, yeah. throws himself uh, off the building. They don't even go, like, oh, I, you know, I love you, and yada, yada, yada. No. It's just like, oh, fuck it. I mean, there's a gigantic statue behind <laughs> us that no one can see, even though someone's watching it, and it's got giant fangs that's made out of metal, which is not according to canon. Let's jump. Boop. Done. Yeah, well. Cue the choir. Rory can't do anything independently in this episode except be stupid. And this has happened in Asylum of the Daleks and any number of episodes this series already. Um, he's, he's not particularly bright in a town called Mercy, as I remember. No. Um, he is on the brink of an epiphany up on the ledge, and he's like, I'm Rory, the rational man. I have, I have perfect powers of cogitation and perfect faith in that because there is no faith it is only pure reasoning uh but amy i can't do it i, I can't i can't do it and he, he goes from that to that yeah. and there's no there's literally no reason and, and then it has to be amy who 
gives him the final seal of approval and be like, hey, I'm a character who has agency. Mm. With me, you can do this. Yeah. And Rory doesn't get to say goodbye to anyone. Amy gets the goodbye. He bones them again towards the end. Yeah, exactly. He bones them again at the end when for no reason whatsoever he goes back in the in the cemetery. <laughs> to what? Yes. Like, wait, he wouldn't have... Like, he he's goes almost back to, in the door. He's almost in the door. He goes back to point out that his name is on a gravestone that he would not have seen had he not gone back because to point out... Because it's facing the wrong way. It's facing yeah. the wrong way. And also, like, how fucking dumb is he if he goes like, oh, um, uh, uh, um. oh wait, hang on, wait. No, no, I'm going to nail it. I'm going to nail it, guys. Oh, Amy. Uh, oh, fuck it. Okay. I'll one get- take, one take. <laughs> <laughs> he goes back and he just goes, oh, wow, isn't this absurd? There's a gravestone here with with the same name as mine. Not my name, not this is my gravestone. Yeah. How thick is he? His fault is middle name as well. Like yeah. He must, he's in an episode about people being sent back and dying in the past. Yeah. How is this not dawning on him? And you've been told that you will, they will be chasing you for life. <laughs> you need to, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You will always have to be running. So he just saunters dead in front of the first statue he sees yeah. and waits. Ugh. I really, I really wanted him to have left his jacket there, and then or something. Yeah, pick, some like, reason. Oh, I'm just going back to pick up my jacket, pick it up, and then see the writing underneath the grave, like underneath the jacket on the gravestone. Like so just that would have been. It would have been so super easy to give him a reason to turn around. Either that, or he goes back and he's like, "Oh wait, hang on, I put my stack uh, jacket over this statue," and he takes <laughs> off the jacket. And it's an angel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that too, that's too dumb, even for Rory. <laughs> Genuinely, any reason for him to just go back? Anything? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the other thing about that scene that really bugged me, because I really, I really liked Amy's. Like, I think that was a good scene in general, but when. She wants to go back. She It's her only chance to be with Rory. She doesn't know if it'll work, but I have to try. And Doc's trying desperately to stop her. It's like, just look, just look at the statue. She can't go anywhere if you're looking at the statue. Why doesn't, why doesn't he look at the statue? There's no explanation for it. Like, cause oh, he, the, I guess she goes the in camera between angle, them. She stands between them and that's the, the way. The camera angle makes it look like she's the only thing you can see. But it's like, no, this is a great... you can move your head. By the way, River's there as well. Yeah. yeah so but can I just draw attention to the fact that this is great podcast material? Okay. Like, <laughs> get all these camera angles in your mind and try and remember <laughs> the exact visuals of this one shot. But yeah, River's there, Doc's there, Amy's there. They're all looking at the angel and then suddenly she's gone. Can I also just point out that they have a red all of the text on this gravestone, mm. i.e. this should now be a fixed point in time. Oh, yeah. shit. He goes back in time, it changes the text on the gravestone. As in, it adds to it. I guess it adds to it. It doesn't take away. That's bullshit. <laughs> in that case, they could have added uh, like an addendum at the like. They could have Epilogue. added. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Add more words. And to everybody this book. was saved in the end. Yeah. Or like uh, chapter twelve. Everything up until chapter eleven. Forget about it. I just made it up. <laughs> this is the real story. You know. While we're on the subject of the afterword. Uh huh. Okay. So. The timelines are now too scrambled for the doc to ever go back to New York. Can I ask? I have, I have so many questions about this. So, right? Yeah. Oh, are we going to ask the same questions now? He's in the TARDIS in 1938, where he's just lost Amy and Rory. He has to get to the afterword, which he ripped out in 2011 and put in a bin, and he runs and gets it. He didn't put it in a bin. He put it in... Uh, he just popped it inside the uh, picnic basket, which... 
A, no hobo is currently eating. <laughs> B, is not lining the inside of a bird's nest. And C, there's no SWAT team surrounding this picnic basket going, <laughs> yeah. there's a, like, someone left a basket in the middle of Central Park. That's not safe, guys. <laughs> So is the basket in 1938 then? It's all no, no, this it is not in 1938. This be. is all in 2019. Yeah, or whatever, it's in the future. The, grave, the graveyard is also in the present, like 2011. Exactly. That's well. not in 1938. He can't go back to 1938. I thought you were going to ask a different uh, question. They pinged back, so I actually got that wrong. So I have a yeah. question. Okay, okay, that's fine. Okay, here. Do you want to hear how... Okay, wait. Shit, <laughs> wait. Oh, God, I'm getting so upset over here. All right, listen. They've sent them back to 1938. They're in New York in 1938. He can't take the TARDIS back to New York in 1938. Can I ask a question? Why don't they go elsewhere? Why don't they go elsewhere? Oh. Or, wait, hang on, question two. Why doesn't he go back to 1939 and pick them up when they've been around for one year? That's, yeah. Why doesn't River, who's got a fucking time bracelet, who clearly can jump around more effectively than you can in a TARDIS, why doesn't she go and pick up her parents? Because they could, at the, yeah, at this point, before Amy goes back, they could make a meeting point. So get yourself out of New York. I will come and pick you up in Texas he, in he 1940. Could go, he could take his TARDIS to 1937 yeah. or whenever, like beforehand. I'm and just, if he can't stick around for a year and he doesn't want to, then he could just put a gigantic sign in the middle of Times Square that just says, Amy, Rory, get your butts to Utah. Yeah. And then, or wherever. Yeah. Or a town know. called Mercy, even. <laughs> yeah. like, literally go anywhere but New York in this year. And then they go there and then they meet him. He's sitting atop uh, a car wearing a cowboy. Yeah. They don't have to be stuck in the past. No, that's very true. No, what Moffat had to do was come up with a way of being sentimental that also stopped them from ever coming back on the show except in a dream sequence in the future and whatever. And people have said what exactly what you said to him. And he's got a bit pissy about it. I've seen it on the Really? Yeah. But it was his responsibility to do this better. It could have been done. He 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 could have had the sentimentality, I'm sure, and not had it just hinging on a question of geography that is just so easily obviated yeah because because the hotel doesn't exist anymore they're not they're not sent back to live their lives in a little room they are just in the past the, what does the paradox do exactly because there's a moment where they say this paradox kills all angels but is the paradox perhaps only meant to destroy the hotel i thought it was like angels in the local vicinity so any oh, okay. any angel that's feeding from this like battery from, of the hotel right which also basically which ends the hotel. The, yeah, which... So they then, would have been sent back to do their own thing. Yeah, that's okay. what I took from it, yeah. Yeah, but instead they call the angel in the graveyard a survivor because they don't want to spell it out too explicitly and be like, oh, look, a completely unrelated angel. <laughs> Looks like our plan was actually very locally focused. <laughs> <laughs> But maybe the only angels that survive do look like angels. So that's why when we meet them in the future, the, all the cherubs are gone and the little babies are gone. And oh, so the poor second, angels. Yeah, it's the second time that the doc turns into a baby killer. What was it? Arachnos. Oh. Actually, Rory is the baby killer in this one. Oh. <laughs> he is. How? His paradox kills all the angel babies. Oh, that's true. Yeah, exactly. He's oh. a baby killer. <laughs> So, going back to the ending, mm-hmm. Amy's um, impassioned speech about getting back to Rory, I really liked, actually. I thought it was very strong. I don't know. I can't remember it now. <laughs> I remember- we lived well. We were extremely happy. <laughs> they were happy. <laughs> and I... <laughs> Oh, sorry. Yeah, I know. I really, I really liked that scene. I believed it. It was heartfelt. She emoted well. Rory just disappeared at the drop of a hat, and she was shot, and she didn't know... 
And for some reason, she didn't think he would come back this time because every other time he has come back and it didn't occur to her that they could save him by any of the means we've just discussed. Um, but she, yeah, so she believed it. So it was very, very good. But just, it was so, like, the episode was so naff that it just felt really tacked on. And um, I don't know, it was a bit of a shame. How did you feel about the lack of information about what happened to them? Do you remember the very first Angel's episode? Yeah. Blink. Blink. <laughs> like, Angel weeping. Weep. <laughs> I could not remember. Yeah. In Blink, I'm pretty sure that the the friend, Nightingale? Yeah. Uh, what, yeah. So the, the, the friend who's sent back in time, either through letters. Yeah, through letters. It's, it's, again, the Back to the Future thing of there's a messenger or whatever. Yeah. So through those letters, we find out exactly what kind of life she led. Yeah. And in this case, we get to find out nothing. Because this afterward was literally a, just over a page. It was like she could have written her entire life story and it was just, eh, we had a good yeah. life. And as we've established, the book's practically over by page 60. So you've got 150 pages to write your memoir. Exactly. Yeah. It was just that boring. <laughs> I mean, Amy and Rory were, you know, past all their youthful adventures by that point. Just ready to settle down. Yeah, every now and again, she went to the opticians, got a stronger <laughs> pair of glasses. Rory became slower and more stupid. Mm. Oh, it was a dreadful tale. But he could have been a really, like, ingenious doctor. He could have brought, um, like, advanced medicine to the 30s. He could. That would have been really cool. That, oh, there's, yeah. there's, there's a story there to be <laughs> <Yeah>. told. <laughs> because he's been collecting all these kits. He doesn't have his kits with him, but he's got alien technology as well. He might have understood how to use it. He probably doesn't want to cause too many ripples in, in space-time. But he Why could, not? He his could future's still... all done with anyway. He can ripple all he wants. Someone's written those books, so you can't change that history. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, at one point when he was a kid, he read one book about history, and now he can't do anything to affect the future. Oh. Hmm. But he could still... He well, could, if he knows the name of the person who, like, cured measles, and then he's like, damn it, I can't cure that one. And he then goes to all these people and inspires them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a nice story. Yeah. And yeah. Then, then there's also the uh, the Hitler fella who's the future hope of Germany. He's actually a badden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it doesn't seem like it, but trust me, guys. <laughs> you were talking about Amy's final speech, right? Yeah, yeah. How does... Her saying, go and talk to wee Amelia and tell her about all her future adventures. How does that not fuck everything up right from the very beginning? He, yes. do he doesn't do that, though, right? The I mean, TARDIS is whirring as Amelia freeze frames at the end. And she's looking up into the sky like she's noticing something. Yeah, that really pissed me off. Because it, it, does that not just change her entire like future like that she was a girl who waited if he comes back yeah for, for a story that claims to be adding some clarity to fix points in time it's yeah. doing a tremendously unclear job and what is he going to say to her little amelia pond i can't take you on away on adventures now but just give me another like 15 years and i'll be back and, it, and he, <laughs> he's a different doctor from the doctor that she that will then appear to her 15 years later and she'll be like oh you came back twice and her and he's like what no i didn't and he won't understand <laughs> Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then he'll know his future, which he's not supposed to know. And she'll be like, yeah, yeah. Hence, in my future so 
sent you back to me and uh, it's all it's all too confusing the thing about the, this concept of if you know anything about your future then you can't alter it yeah. that works really well in one single story if this were the only doctor who story there were that yeah. would be great or it would work in its own standalone sci-fi thing about time travel. But as this is a show in which they... That, that just thrives on them changing history constantly. Yeah. Or just nudging history a little bit. Or fixing history where someone else has changed it. You can't say, you can't change history. Or change the future. You can change anything in the service of sentimentality. That seems to be the motif of Moffat's run mm. so far. I know we'll get to cold-blooded Capaldi in a bit. But until this point... So soon, by the way, so soon. Yeah, un until this point, it's been like, this is exactly how all my cleverness works, but there's all this stuff that flatly contradicts it, and that seems to be what wins. I, I don't get it. I don't understand whether it's deliberate, and if so, what the message is, <laughs> or what's going on. Yeah. He's a sentimental old fool, isn't he? We've had a lot of like love cures everything. And well, I mean that's been that's been since New Who rebooted. Yeah, but he didn't maybe he's have not. To. Maybe they they like producers are like, yeah, yeah, people love sentiment, just like shove it in. Yeah, maybe all the script rewrites and yeah. from the heads at the BBC, it's like, yeah. oh, if I make it bad and jarring enough, then eventually they'll lose enough ratings that they'll leave me alone to do what I want. <laughs> Another callback, by the way, to prior New Who. Oh, yes. Soundbite, 38 minutes, 5 seconds. I'm sorry, Amelia. I'm so, so sorry. Yeah, I noticed that. Going back to the sentimentality of Tennant, every teary-eyed moment of him just mourning alongside his companions or various ancillary characters whose names I have already forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, if he were making a clear statement against sentimentality, then I would be on board with it, perhaps. But he seems to be trying to use it for his own devices and get the you know have his cake and eat it too, essentially. It's like, I'll give you the great emotional moments, but actually it's going to ruin everything else for you. But I, I don't know. Ah, oh, he's making it impossible to like. But but what is it? Okay, so what is it that made this episode so difficult to do better? Is it that it's the farewell episode for these two companions? Who at the time, I'm sure, were fan favourites. I guess it's how do you write someone out without killing them? But, but without... Doctor Who as a show has done that a million times before. But that, in a different way. Like, you have to... They've sort of established they, they're never going to leave him. So we've had companions choose to stay behind and say, I want to start a life here. And they've kind of made it so that Amy can't do that. They can't send them to another dimension because that's been done. We can't kill them off because that's not what we do. But you could also... And we've got a time machine. We need to find, like, anything. You can tell them time and space. You can always go and collect them somewhere if they get lost. Yeah, so, he, so he's manufacturing a living prison yeah. in time that the Doctor can't penetrate. Yeah. For these characters. But then he destroys the prison. It's not a prison, it's just back in time. So that's why it does fall down. Yeah. So build a better prison, Moth. Yeah. But, okay, but but so But and 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 we need to be able to think that they have lived a happy life. You don't want to think of them spending the like seventy years in this one room in this hotel and they're not being Oh yeah, dead. the angel doesn't just like, send them back uh, however many years. It also sends them so to Siberia or <laughs> But it, it, uh, sorry, listeners in Siberia. Why not in, in that case, two episodes ago, or however many episodes ago, 
alter the course of these two companions so that they are just, instead of being on the fence and then deciding, all right, we're going to continue traveling with you. When the doctor knows, quote unquote, mm. that it's a fixed point in time, they're going to die. Mm. Then just have them continue to be on the fence until something external happens or possibly they're just so traumatized or they have such a close call. Mm. It's such a close call with death in this episode that they choose to go back home. And the trauma for the doctor is not that he lost two companions, it's that two companions willingly left him. Yeah, when he was everything to little Amelia Pond. Mm. Yeah, exactly. He was her lifelong obsession, and he eventually became like her invisible friend, just, yeah, just faded out of her life. Mm. Ooh, that that set him up for some darkness. (laughs) (laughs) And did he ever go back to um, Rory's dad? Don't go back to Amelia, little baby Amelia, and ruin her future. Go back go, to the go, dad and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I didn't bring them back. Or go to Brian and say, hi, listen, I can't tell you why I can't do this myself, but if you like, I'll plonk you in 1937 and then I'll leave forever, and then a year later you can hang out with your son and his, uh, his wife. Yeah. Because yeah. it's really easy to just bump into people in New York. Like, it's not that many people live there. Well, I mean, even if there are, there aren't that many people named Amy and Rory. Like, it, it, we already know that they keep their names. Yeah, true. Because that's on their gravestones. Mm. So it's not that difficult, okay. surely. Or just be the guy who stands yeah. in the middle of Times Square again and just shouts, Hi, I'm Brian Williams. <laughs> I'm from the future. Is anyone named Amy and Rory around? <laughs> I bet you someone somewhere on the the network of of people. Well, I've met an Amy. I know. I mean, in the uh, what was the Dalek uh, Daleks take Manhattan? What's it called? The Dalek episodes. Daleks in Manhattan. Daleks in Manhattan. The evolution of the Daleks. That's the one. Those are the ones. We have a whole society of people in New York just hanging about. Surely some of them will have remained in 1938s, and it will just go like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you want the crazy medicine man and his, like, ridiculous supermodel slash travel blogger wife. <laughs> <laughs> I did like Amy's changing career path. She's too old and wrinkly now to be a model. We've moved on to writing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if Brian just stood in the middle of Times Square, the story would get picked up in the New York Daily Record. Madman arrested, claims to be from future. Yeah. And Amy, because she's such an avid reader of that newspaper, which is also the same one as in Daleks and Manhattan, the evolution of the Daleks, that's the way they would reconnect. Okay. Yeah. And you know that the doctor, in going to young Amelia Pond, said, Sorry, I can't bring it, I can't bring myself to apologize to Brian, but in 20 years' time, you need to say to your father in law that the doctor is very sorry and he'll understand. Oh. (laughs) Bye, little girl. See you in 10 years. Oh. Yeah. Stand up, girl. <laughs> because also, no. Oh, oh, no. No. No, you say. This is why it doesn't work. Because Doc has already been back to the night that Amy Pond waited for him. Because that's how he gets. There's the at the wedding, and he does. She does the little rhyme, and it brings him back. And it's because he went to her. She was asleep on the little suitcase he picked her up he put her to bed and he told her a story yeah that's right excellent memory and then she remembered that story on a wedding day and that's how he brought she brought him back so she's not there the next morning she's already been put to bed by a different version of him doc goes back to to fulfill his last promise to amy and finds himself tucking in past amy 
yeah. If, oh, yeah. That night in Amy's life with the doctor interfering, <laughs> it's the equivalent. In, out, in, out. It's the equivalent of like in Men in Black, them like constantly wiping people's <laughs> memories. Like, oh shit, I got it wrong. Oh, no, wipe it again. <laughs> if uh, we get a do-over, I get a curry mulligan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. If time is too scrambled anywhere for the doctor to make another intervention, it's Amelia Pond's house in 1998 or whenever it was. Exactly. The, yeah. the second he tries to go there, he will bounce off a crack and the universe will implode. Hey, all. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I hate. No, that's such, that's the worst ending. Cut that. Cut that bit. Go back and say say sorry to Brian. And take him back in time. Yeah. You can't cut it because Moffat wrote it down, so that's history now. Ah, damn it. <laughs> hey, I don't make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about Mr. Grail? Oh, yes, please. Do you know who he is? Kingpin? Apart from Kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> no, who is he? He's Michael McShane. Is he Ian McShane's brother? No, definitely not. He, you may know him as Friar Tuck from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh. Yes. I know him as Michael McShane from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Uh-huh. Oh, what? Really? He was on the classic Whose Line Is It Anyway for years, and I think the Drew Carey version in America as well. I'm looking up. Oh. <laughs> I did not make that connection at all. What I didn't know was that he was also the voice of Caractacus P. Doom in Avenger Penguins. Hashtag deep cut. Uh, that is a deep cut. Avenger Penguins fans, get in touch. <laughs> I didn't have a look at the trivia for this one at all. Save one thing. Go on then. Not a connection though. Last time that we get to see this TARDIS console. What happens? They change it up. This episode features the last usage of the TARDIS console room that debuted in the 11th hour. Henceforth, new TARDIS console room. So the or ponds. no console room. Too many memories for me. I had to change it up after the ponds. Huh. Oh. So I, I guess... Wait, hang on. What does the console room look like when... Smith regenerates. Do we Does need it, to speculate? We will see soon. <laughs> very soon. But oh, I'm just trying to remember, like the the bookcases along the sides and all that stuff. I think that's strictly Capaldi. But if this is the last time, because does he not regenerate inside the TARDIS? I'm sure he's wandering around at the TARDIS console and he drops his bow tie oh. on the floor before he regenerates, and then we get to see the you know the ghost of Amy Pond. Maybe I'm misremembering. Oh, and then she yeah, turns you, into you a statue. <laughs> Yeah, you never so, misremember anything. <laughs> I'm going to wait and see rather than uh, listening to Leon. <laughs> yeah, time is fixed everywhere except in Leon's head. I see, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Toddy's Wickier says this. Hmm. I liked River and Doc sort of bickering outside the TARDIS about it needs cleaning and yeah, you that's done nice. this and what he goes to whack her with a sponge. Yeah, she says something he doesn't take kindly to, and he like makes a move to. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> One more word out of you, pow! Straight to the moon. It's it's straight oh. out of the fifties. Oh dear! Oh. <laughs> Your voice work is amazing today. <laughs> I did like actually the doctor's scene of severe emotional unintelligence where he just tries to fix River's hand with a bit of regeneration energy, although put a pin in that, and instead of listening to her talk about what the problem is, the man just tries to cure the symptoms and act like everything's fine. Because I I really liked that scene from from her perspective. It was a really lovely... When one's in love with an ageless god who insists on the face of a 12-year-old 
Um, and then I didn't write down the rest of it, but like, just... I don't know, that's that's already creepy enough. <laughs> well, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> You've got me convinced. Yeah. <laughs> but like, d- like talking about like basically not showing any weakness. Like you, I don't know. She wants to be on his level. She doesn't want him to see her as being like mortal and aging, and so she's got a disguise. Yeah, it's, it's about the whole like how he doesn't like to see anything end. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's the whole point of not liking people aging. It's yeah. because he knows that he's going to highlander them. Yeah. Yeah. Next yeah. time I see Rory, I'll definitely tell him not to arrive in a bed as a centenarian. <laughs> that that's that's River's thought process. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss something? <laughs> Talk to who? After dark. Yeah. <laughs> now speaking of after dark, Amy, please. I had to kiss an old version of you. Please, Amy, it's your turn. I've been waiting for sixty years. Another sixty years. Make young me watch. He thrives on that shit. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I did think it was a bit of a cop out that he just did di- just died very conveniently. So then there's only one Rory to rescue because if had he not died, you'd be in the same boat as she Amy? was. Oh, yes. Because he had the old Amy, and she's like, if the you, waterfall thing. If you save the young Amy, old Amy dies. Yeah, in whatever episode that was. What was that? Girl who waited. Yeah. Yep. So I was thinking, oh my god, we're gonna have the same situation, and she's lived through it, and what is she gonna? do but then he, he just conveniently died at the same thank time thank god so. she didn't write anything down in the girl who waits it or, <laughs> <laughs> very differently. <laughs> there's a reference here to the doctor having deleted every record of himself mm. from from all of the universe yeah yep, not just the dalek internet yeah exactly because the last time we only had that what else what else is there what, what and how has there been a hint we about talk, him doing this? We talked about someone someone not recognising him and we said, like, oh, he's only been deleted from the Dalek database so everyone else should know who he is. Oh. And we and we kind of pulled that up as a problem. But it feels like they've now tried to rewrite it and be like, oh, he's been going around deleting been himself from multiple databases. So Is this maybe also somehow to, uh, well, to cement the veracity of this new theory of if something has been written down, then also, it can't be altered? if he's... Deleted himself from all the databases. How does Unit know who he is? Don't yeah, good point. He's deleted himself from, from all the databases except the human internet. <laughs> well, that's because, you know, the, the brigadier wrote everything down. In longhand? Yeah. Yes, yeah, and yeah. Sold, it, sold it to... He's got all his, his old tomes yeah. to flick through. Yeah. yeah, Kate inherited all his notes. The doctor can't go to the brigadier's house and burn it down. Wow, there's a lot of burning going on tonight <laughs> yeah. i'm not entirely sure where i was going with that i just i reacted when that came up that he's been going around deleting mm. records of himself is but I, I don't really understand why he would want to do that because very often he also he needs he calls on people yeah like, knowing about him right and no also surely he will revisit worlds that he as, he as in he will visit worlds where he has had a positive influence in the past yeah. and rely on the fact that there's a certain element of recognition that yeah. people will go but you're the guy who saved our species two thousand years ago yeah and he also has played this a lot in the past where there's a there's an invading species he goes i'm the doctor this planet is protected look me up why don't you yeah exactly and they go away and they're like oh, holy shit yeah okay we'll leave you alone now oh you're that guy yeah and he doesn't have to lift a finger. It's just reputation. Henceforth, if he sees a single ood and that ood goes, ah, doctor, then it's just like, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Done. Yeah. 
Okay, completely different thing. Completely, completely different. Did you notice the opening credit sequence? Oh, it was like gr- like green in the the title. Tab- yeah, yeah. It, it's like Statue of Liberty green. Oh, was it? Yeah, I, I think possibly metallic as well. Uh, okay. Yeah, Moffat's doubling down on it. He thinks that when the statue appeared looming over the building, that was one of his finest hours. <laughs> he didn't. I think the st- the statue is so terrible an idea mm. but i think it might have been just marginally less terrible if there hadn't been so many clues about the statue of liberty leading up to it yeah. like, there's a picture of the statue of liberty in the lift that he takes up to the roof for no reason yeah but, and the picture of a statue of liberty is an angel in itself as we've established y- yes <laughs> oh! mind blown <laughs> yes exactly and he looks out onto the water and uh, like o- over at yeah. the actual statue yeah. and everything. I mean, there, there are, there's so much build-up mm. to this. So now there's a statue in the lift, a statue in his eye, and a statue looming over the building. Yeah. Wow. That and, can't and, move because the statue in his eye, I can see him. Yeah, and and there's an old version of him in the hotel, so there's another statue in, in, in that eye. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that was a reference to something. Sorry. <laughs> well, it was... <laughs> Oh, I see. Is that what he says? Yes! Oh, I'm sorry. I, I... <laughs> Shall we jump into ratings? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, let's. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> let's indeed, Marie. Oh, no. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. <laughs> How does this work? <laughs> ratings how does this work <laughs> oh were you asking the episode in general how does this episode yeah, how work? does this all work what, what the heck is going what, on what, what's the deal with this episode <laughs> please can you explain it to me <laughs> in like a simple in like three paragraphs <laughs> i like anyway um i i um forgot to mention how um i what i thought about the cold opening the five and a half minute long cold open. All yeah. oh, right. And what I thought about this was, if this was not a Doctor Who episode, there is no way I would have carried on watching after that <laughs> first five minutes. <laughs> it was so corny and cheesy and terrible. I was trying to put in my head if this if this was like a new sci-fi show that we just tuned into. <laughs> I don't even think I would have made it till the end. I think I would have halfway through. I would have gone. That's where I was on this episode that was my sort of start point and then it just kind of <laughs> kept piling on and it just did bother me and i just i said this before that all the angels episodes apart from the first one really really bother me because they just rip up the rule book every time and make up new systems for them which as soon as we've kind of talked about them today it all falls apart and it's not well thought through and yeah the fact that they could actually go back and rescue amy and rory at any point without that much trauma kind of takes the like fight out of the end scene as well because i was gonna say the the final scene was one of the sort of redeeming things because i did really like amy's kind of react the, the shock of rory just disappearing ignoring that he wandered off to the grave with no real For logic. No reason yeah but <laughs> but now now he's at the grave <laughs> once the angel comes and grabs him that is that's a shock i didn't see that coming and he's gone for good this time we can't get him back even though we're really good um, <laughs> and amy so- sacrificing herself for just the mere slither of hope that she will find him again she doesn't know where he's gone or where she will go and if they are the same place and i thought that's a really like she's showing where her loyalty lies it's not with the doctor it is with rory 
And that's what you'd said, um, right, when they first came on Leon, you'd sort of said, oh, Amy and Rory are this like really strong couple, nothing can separate them. Yeah. And it took a really, really, really long time for them to get there. But this episode is, we've seen time and time again that Rory will sacrifice himself for her. And this episode, she sacrifices herself for him twice. Oh, so. we saw that in the Dream Lord episode as well. Oh, that's ah, true. She does. Yeah, that's she true. does. She does. But yeah, but anyway, it's very... It's a nice sort of solidifying their relationship. So it's nice that they go out as a unit, whereas it was only uh-huh. it was only like three episodes ago they were getting divorced. Like you know, yes. Oh, I'm sorry to bring that up again. <laughs> We've established that that was six or seven years past by now. Exactly. We we forget that. Um, so yeah. So that so that was a really redeeming moment. I did like the moment with River and Doc on the stairs talking about the regeneration, which we put a pin in and never came back to. Oh yeah. Um, wait, hang on. Sorry. Wait. What's what's which one? So he uses his regeneration energy to heal her. Hand, oh yes. Yeah, yeah. And she's very angry with him. And I didn't know whether that meant that he'd effectively used up a life on her. But no, never really. Well, I mean, Tennant lost ten years of his life keeping a bit of the TARDIS alive in the parallel universe in or Age of Steel or something like that. Yeah. So the Doctor is able to summon a bit of his regeneration energy and plonk it where he wants and sacrifice a bit of himself. So it has yeah. been done before. Yeah. But, well, it just opens up the question of why hasn't he done that any number of other times? Because it is giving up your life. If you were going to knock 10 years off your life... You'd, is that what marriage is? You'd do it for your wife. You probably <laughs> wouldn't do it for the rest of us. Like, not, not at the drop of a hat. Not for a broken wrist, anyway. Like, oh, yeah. You know, she, she, she could have healed herself, but, you know, she, yeah. But anyway, that, again, that was a really sweet moment. So there were very nice interactions between people in this episode and that i really liked um i liked the concept of like the novel being rewritten as they're reading it and them kind of chasing each other through time that was really cool but it was just so darn cheesy the whole way through there's so many potholes and it all kind of came to nothing and at the end when river and the doctor are left and everyone's telling him he can't be alone and it's like why isn't this river's time why don't they go traveling together Excellent retro rewrite. It was such a week to get, oh, kind of a one psychopath per tortoise. Like, you're married. Like, have a normal married <laughs> life together for a little bit rather than, like, she's, she doesn't have endless years. He's going to live forever. She's aging. Every time he's away from her, he comes back to a slightly older version. Wouldn't she want to spend as much time with him like, as possible? As possible. Yeah. Ah, but she can't because she's already written it down in her TARDIS diary. And what's going to get back to this all the time Uh, now? But yeah, yeah, there are there are so many things that you would go back and change and rewrite and make it a much much stronger episode without having like without having to tweak that much. It just seems like a lot of it wasn't very well thought through. Mm. So yeah, so my initial thought was it has to start with a zero. Wow. Wow! <laughs> Wait, what? And I bumped, I bumped it up from where I was because of, like I said, the few nice moments in there. So I've settled. I've settled on the zero point eight. <gasps> wow! Oh my goodness! We are going to have some range today. <laughs> I really did not like this episode. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh. <laughs> if that helps, <laughs> Leon. That is lower than I've given it. <laughs> First off, I had you pegged at a 3.2. What? <laughs> oh, man. Crazy. Because I figured, I mean, 
Where she's heading, it's about a, maybe a 1.2, but it's Marie, so you have to add two. <laughs> <laughs> that was my end of monologue. <laughs> I remember really disliking this episode the first time I saw it. And I know that on this podcast, I have said so as well, that it was terrible. I rewatched it last night for the first time since then. I, I have only ever seen this twice in my life. And my first impression coming out of that was, I mean, that's terrible, but it's nowhere near as bad as I thought it would be. Because I was in awe of this whole battery farm subplot, the, mm. the idea of this hotel. I thought that was a pretty neat idea. But thanks, guys. You talked me back down. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's, that's not a problem anymore. It makes no sense. All those logical inconsistencies. I'm not going to go into them in detail in this little review. We've already discussed them. And they are all the reasons why this would go... I, I wouldn't start at a zero. Let's say I start at a five because it's Doctor Who and then I just chip away at it and chip and chip and chip. And this this accounts for so many points, like a crazy amount yeah. of points. And eventually you chip and chip and chip away until you're left with Michelangelo's David's tiny, tiny rating penis. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think David's an uh, angel? Oh, Possibly. Maybe. <laughs> that, that would be terrifying. <laughs> Bloody hell, how would you survive the angels in the Vatican? <laughs> <laughs> there were, however, a few redeeming factors here. I, I thought the rapport between River and Doc was fantastic, uh, mostly anyway. They had both the very flirty rapport of, I mean, he's basically licking his fingers and straightening his eyebrows and then, then heading out and being really debonair or whatever. And then they have a, a massive fight just before she like 27 days herself out of the grip of the statue. <laughs> they have a good rapport. Not sure how I feel about the companions, however. I feel like th this was a missed opportunity at giving them a proper send-off. But frankly, I'm, I'm kind of glad that they're out of the mm. game. Uh, not only because my Rory impression was going nowhere. <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> I can't wait to hear your Clara. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, no, I'm not going to die. That's what it's going to be, henceforth. <laughs> No, but because I, I also remember them being like my favorite companions, or rather, my memory of them was that they must have been my favorite companions, and now, not at all. I just dislike large chunks of their persona. I'm going to subtract an extra couple of points because, not points, but uh, decimal points, because Miriam recently forced me to watch the last two episodes of Gossip Girl, and uh, we revisited some of the parts of Central Park that take place in that episode. <laughs> oh. So that brought about traumatic memories for me. But then Home I'm Alone 2. Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2. But then I'm going to bump it back up because I thought the ambience of the Melody Malone subplot was great. Like it's a, a film noir type thing. It's like made for River Song. River looks so cool when she came in with that hat and She's like, amazing. And then she took her coat off and she's got this like evening gown, like like ball gown underneath it. I want an episode. I want that episode. Yeah. I want to know more about what she got up to in 1938. How cool is that? The Further Adventures of Melody Malone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, scary cherub giggles. Uh, I'm going to bump it up. I really like the oh, cherubs. Oh no, that they, Come on, they were they were took reused. Points off for me. I, yeah. I thought they were super creepy, and I thought that was a good extension of it. I didn't. I liked that extension. I did not like the Statue of Liberty extension. Yeah. Anyway, but Parker, the, this is a really but long. But the cherubs in the fountain in in the middle of the day in Central Park. No one's looking at the fountain in Central Park. 
Yeah, everybody's looking at their phones, Marie. <laughs> but wait, hang on. Do they move around? Oh, Yeah, they start on the fountain and then they come off it and follow Rory. And, and commuters who walk past that fountain every day are going, hey, didn't there used to be statues on there? I'm going to classify that as part of the overwhelming logical inconsistency that it leads me to downrate this episode. Okay. But the fact that there are baby cherub angels in this one, I like that as a concept. Anyway, this is a really long review, so I apologise. I'm not going to go as low as 0.8. I'm going to give this a 1.4. Wow. I gave a Planet <laughs> of the Dead Deserts, whatever, what was it called? Planet of the Dead. 1.1. This is marginally better. Okay. And also, for the record, I, when I started this review, I was at 1.5. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I started this review, I was at 3.6. What? <laughs> yes. Because, well, first of all, I'd like to apologize for having been so shrill for the last hour and a half. Okay. But... When you actually engage your critical brain, it just brings it out of me. There are so many plot holes and things to nitpick, and I don't want to spend the whole time nitpicking. That's what we've done until now. There are plenty of things I liked. I liked the guy at the beginning. It came to me later saying, half of the stories ain't been written down yet. And that's actually quite a plot point. And there are lots of other things that my notes... Full of full of little snippets, like it's very atmospheric, wonderfully scary moment when um, Doc and Amy realise that River has just met Rory in 1938, and they're sort of leaping into action, seventy plus years in the future, and you don't know what's going to happen. I'm thinking, great, Doctor Who is in is in top gear right now, and there were lots of things to like, but do you know what? Do you know what? At the heart of it all, and. We've forgotten him again. Is Matt Smith. Oh. Last week, I asked how it could be that we remembered this period as a golden age in Doctor Who before we started reviewing it. When episode <laughs> by episode, it's just a trudge. But even when Matt Smith has to deliver dialogue that's so on the nose, Rocky Balboa would think twice about delivering it with his words or his fists, he rattles through it and he bounces into the next scene. For the last series and a half, he's officially been in angry mode in one way or another, but it never defines him for long. Somehow he lifts the worst material or makes us forget it or project it onto Amy and Rory. Or we think, in hindsight, Amy and Rory weren't so bad, but no, you're remembering sort of Smith's halo effect, Mm. enveloping them, making you think they were better. Tennant and Eccleston have voices that tend towards the slower, the more dramatic. Capaldi and Whitaker are somewhere in the middle. But Matt Smith and all his technobabble and his chin angling this way and that and his limbs karate chopping at the camera, he gives you a rush just by being on screen more often than the others can and that stays with you. His dynamism that isn't solely dependent on this terrible writing for its power. Moffat is overreaching at least as much as Artie did in his most hubristic moments. And we thought that was RTD's sort of theme <laughs> but but no Moffat's gone exactly the same way the scene on the ledge needed a rewrite it's just a contrived dilemma matrix I wanted to see human beings acting there rather than just algorithms playing out I, I still think Karen Gillan does very well she's very intense in this episode Arthur Darvall is a poor gormless red shirt I mean and this is two and a half series in there were lots of scary moments good ones hair raising ones I wrote in my notes this was the best of Series 7 so far for me. I can't quite say that anymore now that we have torn it to shreds. But I am still <laughs> going to give it... Pause for effect. Go on, Liam. What do you think I've given it? You've given it a 2.1. No, he started with a 3.7. I know. It's not going to go that low. 
I'm going to give it a 2.5. Oh. For sh- out of sheer ambivalence. <laughs> I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think possibly I've taken Matt Smith for granted again this time around. Oh, He's, he is fantastic do, he in this is, one. Yeah. He is really, really good. Mm. I... Oh, I mean, we're going to have to do a, a, a Matt Smith Doctor retrospective, yeah. obviously, because we're, we're getting very close to his, his farewell episode. But I think possibly so far he's my venue who doctor. I think mine too. Yeah. I think you do. You do. He's just he's so good in every episode that that's a given. And then you rate the episode and it's also, it almost doesn't matter what he does in it. So maybe, you know, maybe we should have. That's totally taking him for granted. Yeah. He deserves, his performance des- deserves all the extra decimal points that. Yeah. Okay. Should we give him a couple of extra decimal points okay. for Matt Smith? Yeah. You've written your scores down. You can't change the future. But I wrote them down in the past. So. Can you- <laughs> uh. <laughs> Are we allowed to? I'm going to bump mine up yeah. to a 1.0. Yeah, I'm going to bump mine up to a 1.6. We're both nice. adding 0.2. Then. Yeah. I feel like Sweet. that's a victory for me. <laughs> it is. Well done. Thanks, Drew. <laughs> let's see if Jim the Fish right. agrees with me. <laughs> now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron! <laughs> <laughs> there he is. <laughs> We have nearly a handful of listener minis. We have four listener minis. That's a small handful. (laughs) (laughs) And we're starting off with... Star Wars Hill, Star Wars Hill, Star Wars Hill. Apologies, brand new neighbours. Star Wars Hill begins... I had plans to ask snarky questions. What did the Doctor and River, let's be real... Due to the angels in the cemetery in retaliation, did they just let it go? Why did the Statue of Liberty picture in the elevator bearing the image of an angel not become an angel? There goes my really clever point. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Excellent point. And they clearly took a crowbar to that cemetery angel, right? It's like crowbarred it in the face. Yeah. Chisels. Pneumatic drills the lot. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars Soul continues. However, after re-watching this episode, I just don't have the heart to be snarky. The Doctor pretty himself, uh, prettying himself up for River. River breaking her wrist. River helping the Doctor clean the outside of the TARDIS. And of course, most important... The angst. Oh, force. So much angst. <laughs> the fall from the roof gave me chills. The cemetery scene at the end is amazing. And the afterword in the book... I love the mention of force there. (laughs) (laughs) So while I don't really think we needed to have angels be the Statue of Liberty and naked cherubs for this episode to work, I can't bring myself to be too upset about them. I just have one need for the Doctor. He has to go back to Brian Williams. Yes. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) The Doctor promised just last episode that he would bring his son home. And if the Doctor does not go to tell him... Poor sweet Brian will just wait for years and years and never see his son again and never ever know why. Oh, I'm crying. This episode is fantastic, says Star Wars Hill. It's an excellent end point for this set of companions. Do you know what? I can see Brian's vlog now. Day 378, still no sign of Rory. I thought there was a wobble. There wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Star Wars Hill gives this episode... (laughs) Oh, a fantastic 4.8 out of 5 feels, because there are so, so many feels in this episode. 
Oh, mm. are you going to say that Star Wars Sill has a big heart? Star Wars Sill does have a big heart, <laughs> <laughs> and it's full of feels oh. because of this episode. Oh. Thank crying. you so much, Star Wars Sill. Podcast Land, are you following Star Wars Sill? You Why the hell not. Sorry, no, no, it's fine. Star Wars Sill can be found online at Star Wars Sill. Thank you so much, Star Wars Sill. Thank you. <laughs> We're normally very in sync and that was not in sync at all. (laughs) (laughs) Our next mini review comes from Trenton Bless. Hello, Trenton. Hey, Trenton. Trenton begins. The Doctor returns to New York in a swan song of the ponds. This is Angels Take Manhattan. Tissues ready. Let's go. I like the idea of any statue being a weeping angel, Mm -hmm. says Trenton. Heck, even Lady Liberty can be one. If any statue can be a weeping angel, why do the metal ones look like stone when they freeze? Anyways, the best part about this appearance of the weeping angels is the addition of the cherub weeping angels. Those little guys are creepy, and I would never want to run into them. That is 100% how you make the weeping angels even creepier. I agree. I totally agree. I disagree, but hey ho. <laughs> Amy and Rory's departure from the TARDIS is so heart-wrenching, because just when you think the angels are gone, one pops up and sends Rory back in time. Amy soon follows, and what we see here is a companion exit that hurts the Doctor so badly that he forced himself to retire. Now, companion exits hit the Doctor hard before. Susan and Joel's departure are great examples of this. Mm-hmm. But this is possibly the saddest companion exit ever. Move over, Rose. Amy and Rory take that spot now. I will say Amy and Rory stayed too long in the end, but at least they weren't with this Doctor until the very end. Yeah, and I should say I did watch Amy's goodbye speech to the Doctor. Goodbye, Raggedy Man. I watched that whole thing twice, because, yeah, mm. it is. Mm. It is, it is yeah. Good notes I forgot to bring up. Oh, Trenton continues, the Doctor is wonderful in this. You feel the emotion when Amy is zapped by the angel. And the zapping! <laughs> <laughs> it just tugs at the heartstrings so hard. I also enjoyed the appearance of River Song too. Definitely a welcome addition to the cast here and very appropriate for her to be here. Trenton almost concludes, the location shoot in New York City was definitely something that made this story stand out. I had the pleasure of going to New York a few years ago, and the only thing I thought about as I trekked through Central Park was this episode. <laughs> I couldn't get that image of the baby angel stalking Rory by the fountain out of my head. It was kind of chilling standing there. Possibly the most memorable episode from Series 7A. This serves well as an exit for Amy and Rory. I enjoyed it, but then it hurts. It really hurts. And Trenton gives this 3.5 out of 5. That's almost where I started. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice, Trenton. Podcast Land, please follow Trenton online. He can be found at Trenton Bless. That's Bless with two what? S's. That's right. Next up, we have Michael Ridgway. Ridgway. Apologies, brand new (laughs) neighbours. Get on board. (laughs) Hello, Michael. Hi, Michael. Love you, Michael. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's Kermit. He's Why a new. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't you. It wasn't you. It might have been Jim. I'm not sure. <laughs> Love you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy being green. I can't do Kermit either. <laughs> okay, Michael had some things he liked. One, creepy angel cherubs. Yes. What? That's right. Two, angel battery farm concept. Yes, says past me. 
<laughs> For a while there. Yeah. That's what we wore you down. Uh, and three, Amy and Rory's shock departure. Just when we thought we had a happy ending. Mm. Mm. And just when we thought we had a happy ending to this review, Michael chips in with some beefs. Michael begins, fix time lock thingy, my ass. Is it that the Doctor can't go to New York again for the entire duration of Rory's and Amy's life? If so, I call horse shit. They'll still be alive during Rosa. Why didn't the Doc rescue them then? Oh, yeah. Why couldn't the Doctor have popped back a few days later? If it is just New York he can't go to, could the Doctor get them to travel outside New York and rescue them? Yes, exactly. Why can't River go back with her crappy time vortex manipulator, but the Doctor can't with his superior time lord tech? Yes, exactly. I know, he said, why can River go back? Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> either way, either way. Um, I think we can all agree the servers. Servers? <laughs> we are not saying to all. Okay. I think we can all agree that the servers Doctor would have found a way back and then scolded Rory for being an imbecile with a mere stare. And then Rory would have learnt more from that stare than he has with two and a half years of eleven. Anyway, Michael's next beef is where the hell was Rory going to buy coffee? There are coffee stands all over Central Park. (laughs) I know you have to suspend belief with this show, but the Statue of Liberty Angel is a stretch. I've seen Ghostbusters too. There's no way New Yorkers would have missed it. Given the Angels have ample regular troops, is Lady Liberty slight overkill? Yes. 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 More than slight. Excellent Um, reference, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Michael continues, how does breaking your wrist escape the angel's grip? Yes, yes, I thought that. Oh, yeah, does she, like, back out of the room whilst constantly looking at it? (laughs) Surely it's easier to break uh, the thumb of the angel off than it is to break your own wrist. And and how do you wiggle out with a broken wrist? Your wrist starts swelling as soon as it's broken. The grip would be even tighter. Anyway. Yeah, and I don't know about your hands, but mine seems to be wider than my wrist. Yeah, yeah. Like, wrist, the wrist is the thinnest bit. Why doesn't she just break her thumb? Yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah. Okay. yeah. And, the, and then the doctor says, "Is everything a okay?" So so. Oh. Oh yes. Why isn't River still being held by the angel, but with a broken wrist, looking like an idiot? <laughs> Michael's final beef is, who was 1930s Van Staten? Did he work for the Angels? I'm confused. Where did the bodyguard, where he was, the one that, the one that led Rory down to the cellar and then threw the matches at him, he, yeah, he just <laughs> disappeared. Well, I mean, he disappeared back in time. That, that is, of all the episodes, where did this guy go to? <laughs> this one is one of the easiest to answer that. Ah, uh, sure. Okay. In summary... Says Michael, some good scares, nice concepts, a shock farewell, and importantly, no boring cubes. <laughs> and he gives this a rating of what, Marie? A 3.1 out of 5 scary-ass angel cherubs giggling manically. More of those, please. Very well. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy. Uh, it's the weirdest thing we've ever done. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michael. Excellent stuff. You can sign on for more excellent stuff by following Michael on Twitter. He can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. Sorry, brand new neighbours. And last but not least, we have Jim the Fish. Jim? Jim begins. Nothing in this made me sad. No feels, apparently, because it was just rehashes of things we have already seen. Ah. Old Rory wasn't sad. Neil Gaiman already did it. The Weeping Angels stopped being scary after the time of Angels two-parter. 
The ponds living out the rest of their lives wasn't sad, mostly because it had the gaping plot hole of them being able to leave New York and have the doctor pick them up. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you when Morph was penning this thing, Jim the Fish? Presumably <laughs> in his underwater lair. <laughs> <laughs> I assume. I assume this is who we're dealing with. Jim continues, almost all the dialogue of this episode was on the nose. There was no ambiguity, no reading into lines. Every catchphrase they slung out bashed you over the head. Again, we got the Doctor and River song engaging in their sparky dialogue based upon a chemistry that Matt Smith and Alex Kingston do not have. <gasps> I think I disagree with you on that one, Jim. I disagree also, Jim. <clears throat> I think it goes in and out. Oh. Hey, all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jim continues, when Amy and Rory were standing on the ledge not looking at the giant angel, it could easily have touched them and sent them back. But nope. As soon as they stopped looking at it, it was like it was never there. Jim concludes, it heavily lessens the impact of the pond's departure when you realise the drama created is so beyond stupid and manufactured. And worst of all, could have easily been skipped if Moffat just used the murderous angels from his Series 5 romp. Because it kills off two of the series' better companions in the most stupid possible way, it has to be the single worst episode Moffat has ever written. Amazingly, Love and Monsters, Fear Her, and Nightmare in Silver are somehow worse. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, we agree with him on two out of three of those, surely. Definite. Well, yeah, Love and Monsters and Fear Her, certainly. Nightmare in Silver is still to come out, right? Nightmare in Silver is the one where Matt Smith has his... He gets borged by the Cyberman and he plays chess with himself. Well, that hasn't happened yet, so that's, that's still true. to come up. So Jim the Fish is, has looked ahead. It's the one with Warwick Davis as, like, the president of the galaxy or something. Oh, great. Ladies and gentlemen, Warwick Davis. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> And Jim the Fish <laughs> gives the Angels Take Manhattan 0.9 out of 5. Ballsy rating, Jim, keeping <laughs> a naught on the beginning there. Very nice stuff. We've got a good range here. A great spread. I mean, we've got two extremes, basically. <laughs> and then the three of us in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jim. Next up, what do we have? Hang on, I'm going to whobagwen.com in order to tell you that next up we will be reviewing a classic episode or a serial, namely Planet of Evil. It features an anti-matter alien. Ooh, very cool stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And after that, New Who with... The Snowmen, which features snowmen. And <laughs> with Nell. <gasps> exciting. And Clara. Yeah. Oh, also exciting. Yeah. Impossible. Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> So this is her first appearance. Host Dalek. Yeah. Mm. And stay tuned perhaps for a very special other kind of episode mm. around the same Christmassy time. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever might that be? I'm sure I don't know. <laughs> In the meantime, you can say hello to us on a line. Uh, Marie, are you on Twitter? Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, are you on Twitter? Yes, I am. Prod my Tweety Brews at Drew Back When. <laughs> prod, prod. <laughs> Excellent branding. And I am at Ponkin. Figure out how to spell it. Or go to hell. <laughs> You've had long enough. <laughs> Don't be a Rory. Learn something. <laughs> Until next time. Rock on and be excellent to each other. And... Ciao, ciao. <laughs> bye, bye. Toodles. That went so well. 
Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao Didn't you used to be somebody? Weren't you the woman who killed the doctor? Doctor who?